I hear trouble coming. Oh boy, it's us two again. I hear trouble coming. I hear trouble coming. I hear trouble coming. Oh boy, it's us two again. <laughs> what is up, guys? This is Gabe and Matt. And this is the Tentacle Bot Podcast, your uh, best source for music reviews and new albums. Uh, in case you didn't know, uh, we're going to be going over the new Royal Blood album, Typhoons, today. Matt, what was your first impression on that one? This is definitely not something I would typically go out of my way to listen to, uh, but I was really into it. And it w- I was really into it pretty much as soon as the I Hear Trouble coming started. <laughs> <laughs> So, what about your thoughts on this one, Chief? Uh, so, going into this record, I knew I was going to enjoy it. I didn't know I was going to enjoy it this much. Really? Uh, yeah. So, Royal Blood, they captivate just a unique sound that's familiar for folks, but it's still different enough to keep them listening. Um, mm-hmm. I was already a fan of their original two albums um, that they come out with back in 2014 and 2017. Okay. Um, and so... The record, coming into this one, listening to the singles, I knew that I wanted to review the record, um, and I kn- knew that it was going to be good just based off of the two singles, mm-hmm. uh, or the, the three singles, really, um, but the overall album just exceeded my expectations on it. Um, it just, I love good grooves and riffs, and this album absolutely did not fail to deliver. Okay. And I may have honestly heard some of Royal Blood before in like prior singles um, before this record. Um, I just didn't realize that the stuff that I had heard actually on the radio was actually some of the singles. Um, I believe it was Troubles Coming as well as Typhoons. I had actually Mm -hmm. heard off of the terrestrial radio for those who actually still listen to that. You Um, I know, really. (laughs) Um, So I, I got a little bit of an exposure to this record before I actually listened to the full thing and... I, I do have to agree that it, it was very captivating. Um, and I guess this will kind of actually segue perfectly into the musical review. I really like how it's just a very dance rock. Like, you, you literally listen to it, and it's just kind of like, I want to dance. And yeah, it's just so an absolute blast. One of the big elements that they introduced into this album was those elements of, of dance. Like, there mm-hmm. there's... Or, or disco, really. Yeah. Um, where it's really just kind of more just driving grooves, four on the floor, and then the little bit of electronic elements while mm-hmm. still holding two true to the original royal blood sound yeah um it's being that it's only two guys it kind of just adds just that little extra awesome to it yeah because it's just mike kerr who's on vocals and bass and then um ben thatcher yes thank you uh on on drums and uh, and production and being the two of them, they still managed to explore sounds that they could create while still being able to execute it similarly live. And I feel like that's just a testament to how good of a music musicians, how good of musicians and how well they work together mm-hmm. as musicians. Yeah, I can agree with that. And this one, so um, I'm going to kind of take a shot is this is where sobriety actually seems to kind of positively affect the creative process. And I, I want to backtrack my statement and say I don't want to mean this as like, oh, don't get sober because then you're going to put out trash music. If you need the help, please go and get it. But this is where they the creative process really was up to notch with the sobriety of Mike Kerr. Mm-hmm. Um, and he actually stated in an interview with NME is, uh, and I quote, sobriety was something I had to do in order to make this record. This album or this band wouldn't exist if I hadn't done this. So, and you just hear 
throughout it is it actually feels like a very inspired record. This start they started tracking this back in 2019, um, and actually the first single that they had actually written or the first song that was tracked was within a week of Mike Kerb getting sober. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you know, if you need the help, please go get it. But this is where the creative process really was escalated by the sobriety of the member. Um, so I, I have to kind of point that out. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's kind of actually a good uh, lead into the, uh, the lyrical impressions of the album. Um, the album despite its very poppy and funky uh, grooves throughout of it, it's really lyrically dark. It is. <laughs> it very much is. Um, I want to really, the first thing I really know, noticed is the choruses is they're very minimalistic. Very. Is if you look at, and trouble coming will be used as the first example. It's one line repeated three times and then it's a different line, but it's kind of a similar thing they do throughout the whole record is it's one or two lines that they repeat multiple times and that's the chorus, but it's over this really groovy, just kind of dancey vibe. And honestly, I really liked how they, there really was no messing around about it is they kind of just kept it short to the point, And then the verses just continue to really push a, um, you know, this kind of dark theme, um, what else are you thinking on the lyrics? Yeah, so it, I, I'm usually not a fan of very repetitive lyrics. I find it just very drab, dull, and kind of usually will detract from the song. Mm-hmm. I feel like here it actually adds to it. Um, being that Mike Kerr is just kind of... He, he's having to work two different fronts. He's working the vocal front, and then he's also working the instrumental front. Right. And being able to do both of those simultaneously is just not only a testament to his musicianship, but it's also just a testament to the fact that he has to do that in order to make sure that he's able to maintain both. So uh, while the verses are going to be more lyrically uh, intensive, they're, they're not going to be as musically intensive. Mm -hmm. And then we see the, the reverse because in just in in normal song structure, you're going to have a much uh, more uh, strong chorus. Yeah. uh, Musically speaking, than you would want to have in the verses just to kind of go with what people are just usually normal Mm -hmm. and comfortable with. Um, but that being the case, like they were still all super catchy. They just within a few listens, like you're able to sing along with these. And that's always a good indication of a song is how well that you're able to sing along with it. I just feel like overall lyrically, the the album never uh, took a back seat on anything. Like it mm-hmm. definitely got the point across, but it got it across in an eloquent, eloquent way. Yeah. And I can definitely agree with that. And um, as I was kind of looking um, kind of through some of the lyrics is, um, you, you really get an idea of what story he's trying to tell and he's not really trying to hide it either. Um, I even made a note just of a couple of ideas that I kind of got from the, the lyrics is like one of the, um, trouble coming, troubles coming, um, seems to be the most reflective and you see it really in the line cracks on the mirror i see someone but not somebody Mm -hmm. um and it's very early into the song so you very quickly see this is the message that they're trying to tell um looking at the lyrics for typhoons it seems to be about kind of mike kerr's drug abuse and how the drugs really just numb the pain but never really fix the problem and he has a line that kind of reflects that and so again he very eloquently tells the story and it's a, a very reflective record kind of on 
I think Mike Kerr kind of looking at who he was pre-sobriety and then kind of himself now um, kind of coming, you know, from that current mindset. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And we see in songs like uh, uh, like Who Needs Friends as well, where the, the song is basically just talking about how a lot of friends are just really there to stab you in the back and or just kind of there to leech off of you and get what mm-hmm. they can from you, which is oftentimes a, a story that you hear in the case of people who uh, were were alcoholics and then were able to get clean. Right. Um, is the fact that, well, I lost a lot of friends along the way, but at the same time, those friends weren't really friends if they weren't able to stay with you through that transition in your life, no matter right. how rough it got. And so I feel like that song, as well as another testament to that, where it's self-reflective, but at the same time, it's also just indicative of what kind of happens. And just kind of the whole record walks through Mike's mindset as he's gone through this transition mm-hmm. for him. No, absolutely. Um, as we kind of um, alluded to earlier, a uh, quick shout out to the band lineup is Mike Kerr, who gets credit for bass, keyboards, vocals, backing vocals, and the Clav and the Vervox. I'm not sure what those are, but they're okay. funky instruments. That's really it. <laughs> no wonder this one was so funky. Um, and then Ben Thatcher on the drums. Uh, release date on this one was April 30th of 2021. So a couple weeks after um, the release of that is when this review is coming up. But um, let's really quick jump into the artwork review. Uh, before we do that, I do want to cover uh, a couple of additional musicians. Um, so for both uh, backing vocals, um, for... Uh, Two other additional uh, folks that were involved in the music on this for backing vocals were Jody, excuse me, Jody Scantleberry and Bobby Gordon. Jody featured on Oblivion, Who Needs Friends, and Mad Visions, and uh, Bobby featured on all three of those as well as Troubles Coming. Oh, okay. And so they were they were just uh, additional backing vocals that we heard on the record. Oh, sweet. Okay. No, I didn't I didn't realize that those guys were on the uh, record, mm-hmm. but uh, kudos to them. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, going into the artwork, um, I was unable to find the artist who did the artwork. Were you able to? I wasn't able to, unfortunately. No. Okay. Well, that being said, it is a fairly minimalistic design. Um, it gives the impression of light refracting on a CD and the Apple Music version. Like if you were to listen on Apple Music, it has like an actual like it incorporates a moving picture with it. Uh, which looks really cool that kind of adds more to that light refracting off of a, a compact disc mm-hmm. um, as well as almost like uh, atoms, like an atom, like uh, protons and neutrons flying around it. It oh, kind of okay. has that little bit of an aspect of it too. Um, I don't really know what significance it has to the album. Um, did you have any uh, other thoughts on that? The um, I, I, you know, I was definitely noticing it, the very circular design. And the thing that I was actually looking at is, and the, the light refracting on the CD makes sense. Uh, but it almost looks as if they put that and it, you can see the lines and it almost looked like the lines on a vinyl um, is that's one of the things I was okay. definitely seeing, but there was actually a comment that Mike Kerr had said in that enemy um, interview where he was talking about this, this record is kind of um, Royal blood, but with color. Um, so I was kind of looking at the kind of pink and blue over the black silhouette mm-hmm. is, you know, this kind of colorful idea over the dark concept that the record is. Um, that's kind of what I was looking at. But you can also see in the 
um, in the sort of, you know, triangles or the light refracting pieces, if you will, is it almost looked like kind of clouds and kind of a hazy look to it. So it was definitely kind of neat once you actually like really looked into it, but it was really hard for me to kind of put my finger on what exactly the design was. Mm -hmm, of course. And so um, we normally try to shout out the artists on it. Um, if you guys know who the artist is or anything like that, you can comment on this podcast. If you go to podbean.tentaclebop.com, you can give, leave us a comment. And we can uh, uh, retroactively add that and make sure that they get credit for the art that they did. Absolutely. Uh, but with that out of the way, we're going to go ahead and move into the track-by-track track, uh, breakdown. So uh, first off, the album kicks off with Trouble's Coming. Matt, why don't you go ahead, and start <laughs> Matt, go ahead and start us off. So this is the lead single of the record, um, and as I kind of alluded to at the beginning, I think this is actually the first song I had heard uh, pre-actually sitting down and listening to the record. And, dude, this is a bop. This is a bop. Um, Mike Kerr, um, in the enemy interview said that it may sound like a heavy version of the Bee Gees, um, kind of alluding to some of that disco elements or, and this, not sure about this second bit. He says it sounds like a pro wrestler trying to toss a salad. Not completely sure what he's meaning on that one, but okay. I, I'm not sure either, but that is fantastic. <laughs> um, um, in, in one of the interviews that I read, uh, or, or excuse me, not interview, um, one of the uh, critiques that I read on the album, um, they called Royal Blood Black Abbath, um, where it's like a combination of ABBA and Black Sabbath, and I honestly loved that comparison <laughs> and i feel like it's definitely prevalent here on this song and, and much later um as you said the, the song is a, just a straight out banger right off the the start mm -hmm. of the album um it definitely fits the the band's direction of kind of adding in a disco or dance vibe to it mm -hmm. but the lyrical content is still strong and and just it's a fantastic way to start off the album oh for sure i went when, when i heard this song in typhoons i knew instantly that i wanted to review this album yep and that and honestly that completely makes sense um and then so the um kind of as i said at least with the color pieces this is actually the uh, the song that he had actually referenced um mike kerr stated this sets the tone for the rest of the record it was this idea of royal blood being in color um which again is kind of a nice callback to the album cover but it just the tempo it give it, you really want to just like kind of bob your head, tap your foot, fist pump like it's the Jersey Shore. Like there's there there's a lot of energy to it, and I really like it. Um, do you have anything else on this one? No, I'd say let's go ahead and move into the next one. Next one is Oblivion, and the tone that we have set from Troubles Coming is definitely continued. Uh, and it feels very similar in a way, just in sound, but it also has its own identity. Um, and it's actually a little bit heavier of a riff in this one, but it maintains the sort of dance elements that we're introduced to. And honestly, this one is kind of just a hook, line, and sinker for me uh, for uh, the record. How about you? Same. Um, so this is my second favorite song on the album. Okay. Um, it's just the groove in it is so good. It, it's mm -hmm. just musically really well done, especially with Mike having to play as technically as he does in this song and sing at the same time. Yeah. Um, I feel like that just kind of attests further to his musical capability. Um, the the groove itself, I just can't get over. I love it so much. Yeah. Um, and it, it's definitely a song that I'll I'll have on repeat. It, it's just a super poppy, catchy kind of song, mm -hmm. and it just it the overall dynamic of it just crescendos into crescendos really well. Yep. And like I said, I, I love this song. Yeah. No. It, this this is a good one. 
Um, next up, we do have Typhoons, and I'll let you take this one because you uh, you kind of alluded to this song a little bit earlier. Yeah, so the, the lyrics, because um, all these chemicals dancing through my veins, they don't kill the cause, they just numb the pain. Like, there it is. That just was so well done. Like, it just really cleaned up and talks and just kind of shown a little bit more light on Mike Kerr's sobriety and his um, battle with al- battles with alcoholism. Um, it, it's just, it's super upbeat and groovy, but the song is just so lyrically dark. Mm-hmm. And it's another favorite on the album for sure. Like, yeah. it's just one of those where it's got a really soaring chorus, the typhoons in the background while uh, he, he's screaming the rest of the, the lyrics. Yeah. And it's just, it's again that four on the floor uh, and it just overall was a really cohesively and well done song. And it was a great single off of the album and great for the title track. Yep. No, How'd you I feel about to, it? Um, this one, I think between this and troubles coming might be my favorite. Um, it's kind of hard to pick one over the other just because the both of them are absolutely fantastic. Um, one of the things is it, they did, they just keep it going, you know, again, kind of, like I said, with oblivion is they continue the tone that's been set. And there's a lot of similarities but they never let these songs be a, a, just a, a different name for the same song. There's a there's a separate identity, um, which I'm really happy with. Kind of in the initial listen is because I'm kind of riding this high, and I'm like, this is great, is I'm worried that this, the, the record's going to drop off at any point because we've seen it happen with other bands is they start out really, really strong, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden the record drops off. Um, and just to, to give a little bit of a spoiler, it really doesn't ever like Mm-mm. drop off. Um, no, it, it drops off where things make sense. It's never yeah. done in a, in an incorrect fashion. Right. It's always done properly and just flows extremely well. Mm-hmm. No, I, and I a hundred percent agree. Um, the last thing I really have for typhoons is I think this chorus might be, the, be the most thumpy. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just thump, thump. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm all for that. Absolutely. Uh, then the album moves into the uh, fourth uh, fourth track, "Who Needs Friends." Um, this one brings down the pace a little bit of the album, mm-hmm. but it's still upbeat, upbeat, and w- which is something that can be very difficult in an, in an album where you're bringing it down a little bit, but you're still keeping the vibe up. Right. But Royal Blood just still nail it on this. They they keep up the expectation for good grooves with it. And they delivered just strong. It's lyrically another dark song, and it's, but it's definitely warranted when facing like fake friends and people who are just there to leech off of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, as he says in the song, and that's it, kind of going back to what I mentioned earlier about um, moving through alcoholism and, and becoming sober. Like These are uh, things that happen. You unfortunately lose a lot of people as a result of that because they just aren't mature enough to see you being you, you becoming better for yourself right means that losing them in the meantime mm-hmm. yeah no and i i definitely made the made the note of that is that we definitely see the slowdown um and typically this is a lot of where we see bands and they go into a ballad typically uh, but this one they they don't slow it down that much um this it gives the record a chance to breathe, but it's one of those things where, so like if they played this live is I can see this in two different places in a live set. I can actually see this as an opener in a way. Uh, but I can also see this as kind of the, the song where they kind of in the middle of the set, they're like, all right, we're going to slow it down a little bit. 
but it's a song that you don't really want to stop getting down to. It just has that vibe. So you just want, you want to keep bobbing your head. You want to keep jumping around. Um, this one is really fun. Um, it's a super simple beat that goes through uh, the whole song. And it's just one you can kind of get jiggy with. Just a callback to the Sailor special that we did earlier this week. Uh, this could be a song that they would open up a live stream with. Yep. I, I, can, I could definitely see that. Yeah, for sure. Next up, we have Million and One. And the beginning feels like it should be a 2008 to 2011 pop song. And I'm actually kind of okay with it. Yeah, the beginning riff is super awesome on this one. I love it. Yeah. Um, the I'm, I'm not a huge fan of the chorus on this one just because it gets kind of a bit boring. And there's just the repetitive nature of the one in a million and one thing. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't really too jiving with that, but overall, like it's still an enjoyable song. The, the standout part is definitely that intro riff that keeps reappearing in the chorus. Mm. And um, we see again, more of those dance and disco elements that they incorporate into this album, like akin to Daft Punk or uh, Steve yeah. or something like that. Yeah. No. And this, I, I like how this one, it again, kind of continues the uh, kind of slowing in tempo. Uh, so it's going a little bit slower in tempo from Who Needs Friends. But again, it does not get so slow as to like, oh, this is just, we're, we're in ballad territory. It never gets to that point. Um, the thing I did note is the electronic that kind of takes over for the last probably about third to quarter of the song was really fun and it brings a, a much stronger pop element than we've seen really throughout the record at least up to this point is it kind of it kind of brings the vibe up to um kind of a, a the highest high that I think mm-hmm. we've seen throughout the entire record um I will say though that despite all of the kind of praise I put on it it is one of my lesser favorites I just can't I can't figure out what it is yeah. that's kind of why yeah, it, it's the same for me, and then there will be one more that's like that for me on this record, and I'll okay. get to that in a bit. Um, but moving from Million and One, we move into Limbo, which is the third official single from the album, and this song absolutely makes you feel like you're in Limbo, like mm-hmm. just tonally speaking. It, it, it just has a very suspenseful, eerie feel to it. Yeah. Uh, wh- what were your thoughts on this, Matt? I was not ready for the heavy heavies that this one. <laughs> I think this is probably the heaviest song on the record, um, and I, I kind of made a joke to this one. Is, uh, I'm definitely moshing to this song. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, this... Again, it's just, and Royal Blood seems to just show this throughout the entire record, and this is just another situation. The chorus is just, it just bops, and it's something that I I find myself, I'm going to be praising a lot throughout this review. Um, I do also want to make the note, uh, May 24th is the band actually recorded for Amazon Original and released a version of this song with a 16-piece string, I'm sorry, string accompaniment at Abbey Road Station. Um, okay. Or Abbey Road Studios, I'm sorry. Um, I haven't had a chance to listen to it, but it's um, it, it was it just recently came out, so I was like, oh, that's kind of cool, actually. Okay. Yeah, the electronic elements in this song made it feel like John Carpenter had a hand into it. Okay. Um, or like uh, something that Ghost would write oh, uh, for okay. one of their new albums. It, obviously, they didn't, but at the same time, like I just had that feel, and as a fan of both of those things, mm-hmm. um, I just I absolutely love this song. Um, and again, it. 
uh, brings back that description of Black Abbath and really just kind of shows yeah. its way through this the whole song. Like it has the heavy ele- elements of, of Black Sabbath, but then just the vocal and the phrasing of, of Abba. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that it's just such a weird but beautiful combination. I, I, I al- <laughs> so when you first said that, I had actually just taken a drink and I almost spit it all over your floor. So I'm, I'm glad I was able to keep myself composed. I am as well. <laughs> but yeah, th- th- this song, I, I, I love this song. It's a great third single. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I have nothing but good things to say about this song. Yeah, no, it, it's it's definitely uh, understandable why this one was a single. Um, next up, we have either you want it, um, and I'm gonna make a. I'm gonna just say this is when I started writing my notes is I for some reason put either way you want it, and I kept reading it and I kept thinking of any way you want it by Journey, and then I realized how wrong I was. Yeah, yeah, it's a little <laughs> bit wrong there. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I. I, I thought that was kind of silly, um, but I like how it's kind of the chorus is kind of snarky in a way, like in just the the enunciation and kind of the tone that was set with it. I've really dug that. Yeah, so th- th- this is personally my least favorite song on the record. Okay, um, it just something about it irks me. Um, just the overall phrasing and kind of the beat behind it. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not 100 percent sure. I can't really pinpoint it, but. It's just, it's really not for me. It's still a Royal Blood song through and through, but yeah. it, this one just isn't for me. Um, it definitely does pick up in the bridge and and that part I liked, but uh, overall, like th- there's really not much that I have for this song. That's fair. Um, the only thing is I was kind of um, looking at it in the, when you look at the chorus, it's, it's that either you want it or you don't, so come and get it or leave me alone. Um, I was kind of looking at it and it's a very just like, there's an issue that I have with somebody. And as I kind of looked into it is I, I thought of it being a couple of things. Um, I, it could be um, kind of like a, an ex who's just really indecisive, just about like, do you want this to continue or do you want to just cut this off or some uh, something related to a close friend who uh, just got jealous and was just creating unnecessary drama. Um, Cause the, the first line of the record is you lost your best friend. Um, so, I mean, if you kind of, kind of look into certain things is it could be, um, it could go either way. So I was definitely kind of curious and it left it open for interpretation. But again, it was just like, there's a story that's being told and we're not going to hide it, but you have to figure out exactly what we're pointing to. Um, so I thought it was a pretty eloquent and very, uh, very well done way of telling, telling the story. Yeah. Um, so then after uh, Either You Want It, the album jumps into Boilermaker. Matt, how are you feeling on this one? So um, that, the bass is super, super fuzzy. Um, so it, it kind of gives it uh, an almost artificial heaviness, um, which I thought was kind of neat. And it, it just felt like everything was really pushed lower um, and kind of tempo, not, not really tempo, but just overall sound. Um, and also, as I uh, may have said earlier, this is the first song track for the album and recorded during the first week of Mike Kerr's sobriety. So I believe the time frame, this would have been back in 2019. So this mm-hmm. this song's been around a little while. Yeah, so this song wasn't an official single, but it was the song debuted by the band for like crowds back when shows were still a thing. Yeah. And this song slaps. It's a good I, one. Th- this is my favorite song on the album. Absolutely, really? absolutely really? is like every every bit about it. I just am in love with. I will throw the song on repeat any day of the week. Okay, um, the chorus just slaps. I could listen to that all day long. 
I, I will say that I really like how the the kind of chorus is where it's like the da 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 and it like I I'm, I'm probably in it's very much in the wrong key but I like how it starts in like the high register and it's just the last little da da yeah. and it, it cut, just drops and he goes and he does that through all the lines so it was like it was weird and at first I'm kind of like what is he doing but it works. And I like it. Yeah, like, just every bit about it that I, I just love it. It's such a, just a cool song to kind of groove to. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's super like heavy in terms of, of Royal Blood. Um, music critics have just renowned this song off of the album as the crown jewel of it. And I got to say that I agree. Like, I, I genuinely just cannot get over how hyped the, score, the chorus of this song yeah. makes me. <laughs> no, I, I believe that. And the, the section before the third chorus... Um, it was kind of interesting how it felt almost like a solo, but kind of a breakdown at the same time. And it was really mm-hmm. just there, I feel like, to just really bring the hype up. And it just worked really nicely. And it kind of, you know, it, it was a little bit of a shift from the typical kind of writing style that we had seen through everything else. And it also gave the instrumentals a chance to really kind of bl- kind of expand and kind of blow up. Um, so I definitely appreciated that little bit there. Yeah, absolutely. Next up, we have Mad Visions. This is super, super funky verses. For sure. The, um, the cocked wah sound that like is through those verses and pre-choruses um just it fits the song really well um it just fits into the concept of a mad vision it's another groove heavy song and the the chorus slowing down is a good break for the album and the song Mm -hmm. i i definitely noticed the um the core yeah kind of that and the the way i had written it is this the most lacking chorus and i i don't mean that in a negative way but i mean it more in the fact that this was probably the most minimalist chorus mm-hmm. of yeah, the it's entire super record. open, super airy, Very. super simple. Yeah, and it kind of just it's really taken over by Mike Kerr's vocals and very, very little on the instrumentals. Um, I won't say that it's the least. I, it might end up being the the least favorite because it just doesn't bop as much as everything else. But it's also a song that I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't skip it though. Fair enough. Yeah. Um. The 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 other thing that I have about this song is just this smooth blend into the next song, Hold On, is just top notch. When I first listened to it, I honestly did not know that they were two different songs I, until it started thing. kicking in, yep. Hold On, because like it just it was such a smooth and clean transition, but both songs by themselves are still uniquely their own songs, and that's yeah. a really important distinction between the two. Um, going into Hold On, this is honestly one of the best vocal deliveries from Mike Kerr on the album. It mm-hmm. just, he shows off both sides of his vocal capability in Royal Blood, the, the actual talent, and then the ability to multitask and play those just stupid, cool instrumentals underneath. Um, it re- very much reminds me of uh, the band 68, which kind of does the same thing, except okay. they're more on the lines of like The Chariot or uh, uh, Johnny Craig-esque kind of stuff. The main riff actually reminded me of, and I can't figure out why, Take Me Out by Franz Ferdinand. I can definitely see that. Like so, It has a very just kind of that same dancey kind yeah, of groove to it. So, so I went and I, because I was sitting there and I'm like, this sounds familiar. And then once I figured out it was Take Me Out, I was like, okay, I can definitely see that. Um, and it's, well, I, it, this one isn't going to be my favorite. Um, I definitely, I would prefer, th- prefer this over Mad Visions. Um, I would kind of just say this one's like a bit middle of the road. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. The, the, it's a great final rock delivery to the album before finishing off with all we have is now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's honestly, I can agree with that. And, um, let's actually get into all we have is now. And here's the ballad. 
Yes. I'm glad that it wasn't earlier in the record um, because it would have really kind of deterred from the, it would have really just dropped the pace too much. And I think if it would have ended up being song four on the record is I think the record wouldn't have been as appealing to me personally. Yeah. Th- this song was a great way to close out the album. Um, it just, it's a beautiful song. The uh, my only complaint with it is I just wish they had let off the effects on Mike's voice. Yeah, because they were just a bit too heavy. Yeah, but other- otherwise, like the musical composition is beautiful and just really well done, and it's a solid ending to a great album. Like I, I genuinely the the effects thing on his voice is my only complaint on this song, and it's really not that big of a complaint. Right, it's just. I wish I could have heard his voice a little bit more stripped down. Yeah, no, I can understand that. And the nice thing about it is, um, just so that way it doesn't really take away from the rest of the record, is it is only a two and a half minute song. So it is short. So it's just kind of like, hey, we threw it in here. It's kind, you know, something a little bit different. We're kind of providing the little bit of a ballady thing. But we're we're not going to go and have this really long, elaborate piece like some bands have done. And we're not going to kind of... Um, kind of exhaust our well or kind of wear out the welcome kind of thing yeah it, it just it still showcases the same uh, ethereal effects that they use in mm-hmm. throughout the course of the album it's a bit more somber but the lyrically it's still on par with the rest of the album yep and um even though like the album only clocks in at 38 minutes yeah which it actually isn't bad it, it's a short album for sure but at the same time like they didn't do anything extra that they didn't need to. Mm-hmm. They didn't add in extras. They stayed true to what Royal Blood is. They evolved appropriately, and they delivered just a fantastic album. Yep, and evolution is always a good thing because that you know you don't want your art to really to get stagnant. Exactly, but um, that is gonna go ahead and finish up our review here uh, of the track by track with Royal Bloods uh, and their album Typhoons. Uh, Matt, on a scale of one to eight tentacles, where are you at? I'm going seven out of eight. I'm right there with you. Seven out of eight. Like this album wasn't perfect, but at the same time, like it still had all the elements there that I would listen to this album front to back and Mm -hmm. not really have any concerns. I honestly, I had kind of the same thing is this is something as I would gladly return to it and just bump it is I would, I can sit there and I can listen to it at work. I can listen to it just driving. And honestly, I could just listen to it just as I'm sitting on my couch being a vegetable. Yeah. This is one of those albums where, <clears throat> it uh it just kind of is one of those things where I can imagine myself just driving in a, on a warm summer night. Yep. Uh, not akin to a Arizona summer night because those are awful <laughs> those and, are and still terrible. like living in the sun. Yeah. But um, just like on a on a normal summer night, just driving with the windows down, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like it's just one of those albums where it just hits a certain spot. Yeah. And it just feels so good. And that, that's really just kind of the the band that Royal Blood is. And I can't, I'm super happy with how they uh, evolved as a band moving into this and how they continued, how they plan on continuing to move forward in the future. Um, I absolutely love it. I can't wait to see more from them. Yep. No, I'm, I'm for sure would definitely wanting to see these guys live. And honestly, this is one of those records where I honestly, even the lesser songs, I wouldn't skip. Um, it, this is just a really good record through and through. And um, again, I'm, I'm, I'm coming back. Absolutely. But that is all that we have today for Royal Bloods. Uh, now we're going to be moving into the hidden track, which is going to be a, a time where Matt and I discuss something that's a, a little bit outside of the uh, the world of what we just spoke about. So, uh, Matt, what do you have for us today? So this one is um, actually from the black metal outfit Spectral Wound, who on April 16th of this year put out a Diabolic Thirst. Um, this is, it's only a six song release, and it, 
I'm surprised they didn't declare it as an EP uh, because it's because of how few tracks there are on this one. Uh, but it, it is kind of a longer play time for the the release. Um, and I'm really not a big fan of black metal. Um, for those of you who may not be familiar with the kind of subgenre, is if you see the pictures of the guys with the white and black war paint, that's you're probably looking at a black metal band. Matt, I'm gonna correct you here. You heathen. <laughs> it's called corpse paint. Oh, my bad. I'm sorry. Not war paint. War paint. Spoken like somebody who doesn't know what black metal is. <laughs> Remember the part where I said I'm not a fan? Clearly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, this one was actually... Um, I was actually really enjoying it. Um, I ended up listening to it a few more times than I anticipated. I was actually listening to it at work. And... Uh, I didn't realize how short of a release it was, and I was kind of sitting there, and I was like, I've heard, I heard this song not that long ago. I looked, and it was only six songs. <laughs> um, I definitely wouldn't mind going and doing a little bit more of a deep dive into it, but at least based on my brief analysis, if I did have to give a tentacle rating, I'd probably give it about a five out of eight. Okay. Um, I really quite enjoyed it. Um, supposedly, the concept of this record is beer. So that's pretty cool. All right. I'm going to have to definitely check that out. Yeah, for sure. Um, For me today, I wanted to briefly discuss the um, new album from Weezer, Van Weezer. Uh, So I've been a casual Weezer fan for a significant amount of my life. Um, The Blue Album used to be one of my favorite albums. Uh, Pinkerton's obviously great. Ratitude was one of my favorites as well for a while. And then like they did, uh, Everything Will Be All Right in the End, which is just a fantastic album from front to back. Mm Um, in between there, they've unfortunately released albums that have just been mediocre at best, okay. and sometimes they were just flat terrible. This is one of those albums where it just shows that Weezer can do what Weezer does again. Okay. Um, they went straight back to the roots on this. Like I feel like all of these songs could have been in the same era as uh, as the Blue Album could have been. Oh, okay. Or as the Blue Album was, and um, honestly, they get kind of heavy in some of the songs. Like it was kind of weird to hear. Weezer get heavier than a day to remember in their new record. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, okay. Yeah, it was just, it was super neat. Um, I definitely enjoyed listening to it. I don't think that we're going to be reviewing it on the podcast here, but it, it's definitely something that I would recommend and checking out and listening to at least once okay. uh, just to kind of get a, a general feel of kind of what they're doing. Um, this was originally slated to be released uh, right at the beginning of the pandemic, but they opted to release the album. Okay. Human instead. Cause it fit the vibe at the time better. Oh, okay. Um, which I feel like is a really cool artistic decision um, to actually just completely put off a, an album release and release something else instead um, mm-hmm. to coincide more with the time. I, I feel like that's a really neat artic- artistic d- discussion. Yeah, for sure. That we haven't really seen a lot of before. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I, I would definitely recommend checking out Van Weezer, uh, which is the album name by Weezer. Um, does it have the? Uh, does the logo look like it should be a uh, Van Halen record? Um, yeah, it kind of it does. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of does, actually. Yeah. It's it got om- just like lightning all over the place. Yeah. It kind of looks like Slayer's uh, font almost. <laughs> yep, yeah, like Slayer's font with, or Slayer's font with uh, like the Ride the Lightning kind of background from Metallica. Mm-hmm. So, no, I can, I can kind of approve. Yeah, absolutely. But that is all that we have today. Remember to please go ahead and like, rate, and subscribe to us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Uh, Podbean, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever it is that you listen to us. Um, you are able to also able to go ahead and uh, contact us uh, via our comment section on our uh, website, which is going to be podbean.tentaclebop.com. 
uh, you can leave us uh, your thoughts and, and feelings on the albums that we talk about and, uh, and go on from there. But in the meantime, we will see you later. Catch you next time.